0: now monumental sports and entertainment along with Pressbox, presents stan the fans bat around for the next two hours listen in as stan and craig heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors feel free to tweet your questions to stan at stan the fan now sit back and enjoy the bat around guys take it away
1: and welcome aboard for a Saturday morning edition of the bat Around. And this Saturday, December 22nd, our last program before the uh, Christmas holiday. Right. So we hope you'll gather around the uh, Christmas tree, the mistletoe, or the fireplace, and sit back and listen or watch. Well, I was carrying uh, my mistletoe with me. I, I'm quite aware, and so okay, is Brittany. Good, yeah. all right. I mean, I you don't do anything with me, but all the time you're walking I around did. Brittany, you're putting a mistletoe Well, up. all right.
2: It's yeah. his attempt. All right, look. It's,
3: look a lame, I'm it's, just very it's a lame. It's a bad look, attempt. Look, it's, it's the holiday season. I'm distraught today. I had to, de- I had to delete my Facebook account. Why? So I am no longer on Facebook. Uh, Seriously? Well, well, you know what you do. You, you, you have your political arguments with people. Right, you have right. your baseball arguments with people. Right. The last two days, my Facebook account was just smeared with graduation pictures. Okay? And
1: that was the last straw. And that was the last straw. <laughs> Did you really? Uh... No. no. You enjoyed <laughs> them. You liked my photo. Thank God. Thank God. I didn't see your photo.
4: We should go on my Facebook. Yeah, There's a lot.
1: You didn't miss anything. Didn't miss <laughs>
4: hey,
1: uh, we've got, and Craig Heist, as a matter of fact, said it uh, very well. We've got a heck of a show today. Yeah, Craig, we do. Uh, why don't you tell why? Get me on our Facebook uh, page. Why don't and, you?
3: And uh, then like it and share it. And like we'd, it and share and it. And we'd that's like to I'd tell everybody to do that exactly. because that's how we promote this r- radio kind of slash TV. This radio
1: extravaganza
3: extravaganza exactly. We have Andrew Stecker coming up at 10:20 and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the the Orioles and and,
1: and I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the diamondbacks that have been moved and are yet to be moved because we wanted to talk Orioles with them, but, but once you get past the new manager now there's some not other week, there, there's right. not a lot there, there there's
3: not there and then uh a good buddy of ours Mike Shallon from up in Boston uh, who uh, writes for, what is it, the
1: uh, New Hampshire P- Union leader. leader.
3: There you go. Mark Zuckerman from com. We're going to have him on at 11.05 to talk a little bit about uh, the Nationals and coming off the winter meetings and some of the things that they did, uh, and including one thing that they did after they got away from the winter meetings, and that was the— Acquisition of Annabelle Sanchez uh, to be part of that rotation.
1: The Nats have had a pretty active. I mean, I know, uh, I know the big fish is still out there, Bryce Harper, and we'll talk about that in a second. But they've added Kyle Barraclough, right? Trevor Rosenthal, Trevor Kurt's, Rosenthal, right? Kurt Suzuki, right? Yan yeah, Gomes, exactly, and now Annabel Sanchez. i No, somebody. no, that's it. And
3: that's a uh, pretty good well. Haul when, and when Mike you Rizzo. when you stop to consider the trade that sent Tanner Roark to the Reds, that's right. Uh, and uh, you wind up getting a minor league pitcher in return. Uh, for Tanner. But that uh, also freed... What would Tanner that, that have made f- this year? About four or about, five? Four, no, I would have been up around eight Seven? Or, yeah, that would so have that been up around, around eight up eight so. freed up some of the money yeah. for
1: Annabelle Sanchez. Right, exactly.
3: Yeah. And he gets a two-year deal worth $19 million with an option for 2021. And, uh, uh, again, you're looking for somebody to fill that rotation slot for Tanner Roark leaving so he fits in behind uh, Scherzer and Strasburg. So let me
1: ask you a question. We all know, if you're a baseball fan and weren't sleeping under a rock yesterday, you know that the Dodgers cleared an awful lot of salary by trading Alex Wood, Yasiel Puig, and Matt Kemp. Mm -hmm. And they brought back a big contract, $25 million left on Homer Bailey's contract. But most people think they freed up dollars and outfield space to sign one Bryce Harper. That's How po- are you thinking about that?
3: It's a possibility. I'm not saying it's set in stone, and I you know, I think it's still going to take a while to see where Bryce lands.
1: So my question is, if Harper does land there, is A.J. Pollock a possibility or Nick Marcakis on a short-term contract? Or do you think that, that Eaton, Taylor, uh, Robles, and Soto – is 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 collectively you're good to go.
3: collectively you could do it that way along with Howie Kendrick and he can split time uh, between the outfield and second base if or they you don't. you could still pick
1: up a Dozier or a LeMayu. right? But I don't think it's going to be Josh, LeMayu. Ha- Josh I,
3: I think Dozier would be more of a fit, mm-hmm. uh, money wise, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, than LeMayu. I think that
1: that's maybe off the table a little bit at this mm-hmm. point. But we'll ask Mark about it. All right, we we'll get see. him on. We'll see. Uh, we're talking baseball. Now, we've got also after Mark Zuckerman, mm-hmm. we've got Rick Vaughn, who uh, is the director of Joe Madden's uh, foundation, Respect 90. Right. And that's the number that Joe Madden wears on his back, and they help raise money for. Children's uh, chil- Children who are in hospitals, I right, believe. Right,
3: but you, you can't tell what uh, number Joe Madden wears on his back because none of the managers actually show their uniform Yeah, anymore. they're all,
1: all wearing jackets. Right, and then, and
3: then Rob Nelson at
1: 1140. Yeah, now do you know Rob Nelson? From Big League Chew. Yes, yes, yes. I got two boxes of Big League Chew. By the way, do you like chewing gum?
2: No, I like chewing gum. All right, yes. well, you're going to get <laughs> some
1: today, all right? Uh, he sent me two cases out of the clear blue, so I said, you know what? He played a lot of minor league baseball and uh, winter league baseball. I I thought this would be neat to have him on to talk about maybe playing ball away from home during the holidays. Away from home during the holidays, and
3: something else I think we should delve into with him with all of where where your free gum is. No, no, no. What what happens over the last ten years or so, fifteen years with major league baseball? Trying to get players to stop chewing tobacco.
1: That's a good that's a good topic for him. That's a good topic.
3: This is something that maybe Yeah. Uh, that you, you that see fits in nicely with Big League Chew. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Um that's a good good topic. He's a great guy, Rob Nelson, and um he started that company originally with Jim Bowden. Uh huh. loaned him the uh not Jim Bowden, the former ah, GM. Yeah, how about that? Jim Let's do that. Yeah.
3: How about that? See that now see? I did a stay in the fan right now. Yeah. Well, it does that automatically a lot. It does that automatically a lot, yes. But if you mute, I just didn't mute my sound system.
1: I never remember how to mute sound systems before they go But there you go. And I panicked, and Britney... Shuts my mic down and all that stuff.
2: And then, anyway, then I started laughing and a little bit. Laughing hysterically. <laughs> well you anyway, didn't have
3: to shut my mic down. I knew exactly where the remote was for
1: it. And anyway, we want to congratulate Miss Everett. We yes, mentioned she, it last do. week, but she is now officially a college graduate. I know. Right. Thank you. She's out in the tax paying world. <laughs> yeah. Of real the real world. The real um world. let's t I wanted to talk to you about one football topic. Ravens yeah. have a big, big game tonight. And Against this, the Chargers, and I, got, out and, I got to be honest with, with you. This one shocked the, the crap out of me. Uh, Ravens announced last night they're working on an extension with uh, John Harbaugh. Well, it didn't. It didn't shock me from that standpoint. What what it
3: did. What it, if, it, if shock was the word? It's the timing of it is more the thing for me. Why would you do this right before they're ready to play the biggest game of the year? You know, not to say that next week against Cleveland is, but a lot of things have to go right tonight to make that Cleveland game uh, one of the. And then you have games. to
1: get by the Cleveland game, right? A rapidly improving team that may just get off on beating, beating right. the Ravens, but, but
3: you know, you had the quarterback change uh, coming off the bye week, and we find out that Joe's got a bad hip. Now he's healthy. Now he's the backup. Uh, they're gonna sink and swim rightly or wrongly with Lamar Jackson, but when you're four and one with Jackson being your quarterback, you gotta, you gotta ride the guy that's gotten you to this point. Yeah And and uh, that's, that's I'm a Joe Flacco fan. But at this point, with the way things are going, you went from not having a running game with Joe at quarterback to all of a sudden because of the dual threat, having a running game and, and making uh, Gus Edwards that much better. And just and making that defense better by having by, be, a, by winning by, the time of possession. Yeah. I mean, last week, uh, in that game against Tampa, time of possession was thirty seven to twenty two.
1: And that's one of the reasons they win that game because let's face it, the offense wasn't all that great last week. No it wasn't. No it wasn't. I, I think they have a chance to win tonight's ball game because I think their offense is is difficult to pick up on first, you know, I, I'm assuming, That the Cincinnati's, the Cleveland's, and the Pittsburgh's, when they play against Lamar Jackson twice a year, will pick up the nuances a little quicker than other teams, but I don't care how much film you watch of that, it's hard to contain when you're not sure. When you're you're not not sure what's going on on. and what you're
3: used to covering. Now, the other part of that is, think about Notre Dame a lot of times against Navy, and how many times you know navy, is able navy to navy's been able at least to keep close, close and yeah. keep in it and then maybe even as we've seen a couple times in the last 10 years navy coming away with a win because of uh, how difficult
1: it is to prepare for that kind of run option offense Yep. Yeah. well we'll see it the game's on tonight at 8:20 it's on both WBAL locally and on the NFL network um, the your thoughts though on the hardball aside from the timing you're basically in favor of this.
3: I, I have no problem with it, no, you know, because uh, I think they've responded to him. I mean, things were, you know, let's face it, he was on the hot seat when they were four and five. Mm-hmm. And uh, a change was made. Now, whether this was John making that change, whether this was a forced change because you've got the number one draft pick and, and, and he's the guy you chose. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, success – at 4-1 and one well, with him at quarterback. He, I mean, that's but, changed but everything make, with his
1: team. I, I know you and I are are far different. I, I'm not one that automatically always thinks the coach has got to go. But for me, I thought Harbaugh, I, I would have gotten rid of him last year. I would have definitely gotten rid of him this year. But But the point is, what do you think of this notion? Because most of the fans I talk to say, well, there may not have been anybody better. I find that such a negative way of thinking. Now, you may say, Stan, that's a negative way to think to get rid of John Harbaugh, but I'm not afraid to go into the 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 um, eco, you know out into space and find a new football coach. Well, if you're just, just fine, like just like I'm not afraid to find a new baseball manager. There are good ones all the time. It takes hard work and research and uh, preparation to hire somebody good.
3: Well, one of the things though that we find out repeatedly in these sports is that continuity and consistency usually pay off in the end. And here's a guy that I think has the respect of most players in that Mm -hmm. locker room. Uh I think the other part that plays into this is he and the owner are pretty tight, yeah well there's no question yeah, well about that. well, that's part of the reason why I think this was done, yep, and the other part of the reasons why uh Bishotti is justified in this, probably in his own mind is the fact that. After four and five, they made the change. They turned it around, the adaptability to to I, I to, think the, to turn the
1: offense. I, I think getting back to your original point was the timing of it. Yeah. If they lose tonight mm-hmm. and don't make the playoffs or they win tonight and lose next week, the look of having re-signed John Harbaugh to three a three year extent and let's face it, this is not gonna be like attacking on one more year. This is gonna be like a, you're going to be here three or four more years, right? Exactly, and I I just think that sends a really bad message to a team, to a team's fans who have suffered a bit over the last few years. Well, that depends. Do I mean they've adapted to this offense
3: now? Do you go ahead and make some other changes to your coaching staff? Well, to I bring, would think I would bring think,
1: people I, in. I, I would think if you're if you're um, extending this guy, go ahead. Can you answer that? That's our guest that uh, make sure he can be on with us. That's Rob Nelson. Okay. Um, all you had to do was slide it up. Okay. Can you call him back? Okay. I um, uh, Now I forgot my train of thought. No, your, your train of thought was if Harbaugh – Yeah, he's going to – what makes you think that he's going to say, hey, we're extending you three or four years, but you got to get rid of Marty Morningwig – and you got to get rid of this. Well, Today, that's an it's uncomfortable an endorsement
3: of the whole staff. Well, yeah, but it's an it's a it's an uncomfortable situation. Yep. But the f- general thought was, no matter how this season turned out, you want to go out and get a coaching staff that is more adaptable to what our, I mean to, to what Lamar Jackson, uh, Lamar Jackson so. uh, and his his talents and his capabilities and right. I'm not so sure they haven't done that already. Yeah.
1: All right, we will see. We will see. Anyway, the game is on at 820 tonight. Mm-hmm, that's kickoff. Um, by the way, another trade made yesterday, very interesting. Is he good? Okay. Uh, another interesting trade yesterday, three-way trade between the Seattle, uh, not Seattle, Oakland, Oakland Texas, Texas, and Tampa. Yeah. With, with Oakland making a real coup, I thought, in picking up Jerks and Profar to play second base there. They're now going to let Jed Lowry go, who could end up – he's an interesting guy for the Nats, too. He's
3: he's an interesting guy for the Nats, and I'll tell you what the uh, Rangers wound up
1: doing was getting a uh, a haul out of the uh, A's uh, farm system, too. uh, And and also some international slot money. Mm -hmm. And Emilio Pagan went over to um, the Tampa Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh to f- to round out their bullpen. And I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with Tampa Bay this year
3: uh because there was a lot of talk in the winter meetings and Cash was interviewed quite a de- mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Cash was interviewed quite a few times about how how using the opener if you will right. uh was an effective tool for them during the year. Well, I I'm, I'm interested s- interested to see whether or not that can take place and happen two
1: years in a row and I'm not so sure it can. All right. Uh, By the way, we've reminded you once, our loyal listeners and followers on Facebook Live, please like the show on Facebook and share the show on Facebook. It really helps build up our CUME audience and gives the sponsors a little something uh, that they pay for. Right. All right? So we urge you to do that, please. It only takes a second. Really. Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, we've got... We'll we'll see at the end of these shows sometimes 350 500 people will watch parts of our show. Right. And we'll get like four shares. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching right now, please just click the button, the like button and the share button. This poor guy needs he needs a new coat. Right and you're and you're talking to somebody who Can't figure out how to turn his volume down on his computer. (laughs) So like and share, yes. Yes, like and share. All right, we're going to make our connection with Andrew Steckham momentarily. And one of our sponsors. Yes, the Costas Inn.
3: We're we're, we're advertising for today. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Where did you get that uh, get up? Got it at the Costas Inn. Let me see the back of it. It's a nice hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, It's got the whole, the ship and the the crabs and the ship. Wow, that's nice. Nice. I didn't get one. You probably didn't deserve Brittany one. Brittany hasn't gotten one. <clears throat> well, I can get Brittany one. <laughs> I'll bet Thanks, you Thanks, Craig. I appreciate sure. that. I'll bet you yeah. you can. I'll bet you you can. Uh, anyway. All right. Anyway. So, again, the list of guests. Andrew Stetka, who writes for com and Utah Street Report. Mike Shallon, longtime columnist of the, new, of the Boston herald uh, now writes for the New Hampshire Union leader. He did not get the job at Forbes, <laughs> uh, but he also is a uh, official scorer at a lot of Red Sox games. Probably does about 40 games, I'm, I'm guessing. Mark Zuckerman of MassinSports.com joins us 1105. Rick Vaughn, former PR director of the Orioles. Tampa Bay Rays, now the director of uh, Joe Madden's charity, Respect90, which raises money to help kids in hospitals and that's always a good cause and then Rob Nelson the owner and founder of Big League Chew uh and we will have him on a little bit later on in the show um the nats yes what where are you where are you on the side right now that you think that they can get in this Harper thing
3: uh, i I've, I've always thought there's a 50/50 shot, shot that he can return to to dc yeah it just depends on what the market is going to bear. Now we talked about the Dodgers trade and how that everybody's speculating that they've, you know, freed up enough money to make a run at Bryce. Well, I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean the three hundred million over ten years? Does this mean four hundred million over twelve or thirteen? Mm-hmm. Uh, what exactly is the is the price for Bryce Harper? And we can ask the same thing about Manny Machado at this point. What's what's the price now? Manny had. Uh, uh meeting with the Yankees with the Yankees and the Phillies the last with the Yankees couple of days for
1: 90 minutes you right. met with the Phillies for 4 hours uh huh do you think uh, there's anything to be gleaned from that i don't
3: know but uh, I, it's funny i don't see Manny in Philadelphia i just don't for for whatever reason now that said he will find
1: out that whichever place he goes, he's he's in, he's in in the two toughest spots in baseball. Right, New in terms of media,
3: and maybe if you went to Boston or something, you know yep. that that's those another are three top three toughness. three top toughest places to play yep. if you're a player and you're a marquee guy and you're expected to produce on a nightly basis, and when you don't, you're going to hear about it in the media. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting if if Philadelphia is the landing place. And everybody knows about Philadelphia's front office. Many of them used to be here with the Orioles. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays with Manny and how much
1: money they do have to spend. Yeah, I think the Phillies are going to spend the most money, and that's why in the end I think they may just get him. I know he wants to play for the Yankees, but I think the Yankees are going to squeeze him a little bit on length of contract and maybe some dollars in the contract. And maybe
3: where he's going to play because, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's
1: clear in Philly he's got to play third base. They acquired Gene Segura to play shortstop. So we'll see. Let's uh, join our friend um, Andrew Stetka, who writes for MassInSports.com, and he also writes for the Utah Street Report, uh, and he joins us now from his home in Arizona. Andrew, thank you for getting up so early.
5: No problem. Happy by, holidays. By the way,
3: I uh, I sent a Facebook message to your wife yesterday after she had proudly posted on Facebook that the temperature out there was 76, 74, and 72 for consecutive days back to back. And what did you say? Yeah, but it's, it's,
5: it's dipping down at night into
3: the 40s. So, oh yeah, well, wow. I just Come feel. On.
1: Wow, I feel so bad. <laughs> do you have, to, for do you, you have to sleep with a sheet on <laughs> over your body? No, oh, his, yeah, head, his head. His oh, head maybe, man. but never. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before we start talking about a myriad of other stuff, because the Orioles are not making tremendous amounts of news right now. They did make a big splash though at the beginning of the week. They got their man Brandon Hyde. Uh, what's your assessment on Brandon Hyde?
5: Um, I was always kind of in the camp that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and, and not really mean it, but it didn't really matter that much to be who the Orioles got uh, to be the manager of this team. To me, the 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 hire of a general manager was much more important, um, and whoever Mike Elias wanted to bring in to me was was for the most part going to be fine as long as it wasn't some, you know. Uh, Crazy idea to bring in someone like you know Mike Bordick or Rick Dempsey. I mean, even then, I wouldn't have thrown my arms up in the air and thought it was the worst idea in the world. But um, I, I kind of figured they would go this route of someone who was mostly unknown to to the general public, uh, like Brandon Hyde, and and you know a guy who's on the younger end, uh, only forty five, and kind of up and coming, and you know is getting his first crack at this. Um, but to me, this is a pretty much a caretaker position for the next few years it's, it's a guy who can you know help guide the guide the ship in the right direction and um and I don't mind it at all it, like I said it's it, to me I'm not 100 percent sure that Brandon Hyde is going to be the guy that's still here when this team starts winning mm-hmm. um so so it's one of those hires that I don't think was super consequential either way um, but I'm I'm pleased with it. You know, there's there's no there's no reason for me to quabble with it whatsoever.
1: You know, I the other day it's been bugging me who he who he looks like. You know, who he looks like I, I was over on Masson's set the other day doing the Mid Atlantic Sports Report, and they were showing pictures of Bonds and Clemens fil- video. Mm-hmm. Looks a little bit like Roger Clemens.
4: Got, a little got, bit. Got I got barrel
1: chested. Yeah. His face is a little <laughs> fuller than Roger's, but at a quick glance they look a little bit alike.
5: Yeah, and he looks like the type of guy that is just ready to, you know, ready to get to work. And yep. and I mean, obviously, you, at this point, all Orioles fans are kind of just uh, throwing all
1: of their trust in Mike Elias
5: and and trusting that this is the, the way to go. So there's there's no reason to really be upset with it.
1: You know, the most consequential thing I I got out of that that meeting with uh, with uh, Hyde and then the one on ones, not the one on ones, the scrums with Elias and. Uh, and Hyde was this this topic that he brought up during the interview about how much co- how much development he didn't say coaching he said how much development is done now at the major league level I found that very interesting uh, that at uh, he he even mentioned it in the Cubs uh, winning 90 plus games but having having to do development at the big league level Mike Elias said it's part of the uh, the the getting these players who have tremendous talent up to the big leagues they might have the physical talent but there's other things that they need to learn your take on that Andrew
5: yeah I think that you know in order to get to the big leagues these days you know you have to have been coached already at 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 the lower levels Um, and and once you get there it's more a a, uh, learning the ins and outs of, of how to be ready every day, um, in certain situations. And I think that's more the job now of a manager is putting those players in those positions. And, and we've seen this a lot with, with some of the more successful teams, uh, over the last few years in that these days the, the position of manager is more someone who just works along with the general manager, um, in, in plugging the right pieces in the right place. Um, and, and that's not to diminish the role of a manager although some people will say that that, that role has been diminished um, but it, it's more of a a, a, a co situation with the two with the two uh, roles now than ever um, the manager's role has kind of been I don't want to say reduced but um, more more put on the same playing field as the general manager because those two have to work together and that's why um, you know I think this is a good move because this is obviously a, a, a hire that Mike Elias took a lot of time to make, and, and he's comfortable with, um, and it, it's it's going to be all about the, the relationship between these two. Obviously, the last three we had in Baltimore with Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter, that was not always the, the, the peachiest of relationships. Yep. There was a lot of rumor about um, how the two did not see eye to eye on a lot of things and how the, how those two did not work together well. Um, so hopefully that type of thing can be different this time around, and, and Elias and Hyde obviously... Um, can can have that kind of relationship that works together and puts the best product on the field as possible.
3: Well, now we have two situations here in the Mid-Atlantic region where you have disciples of Joe Madden, uh, Dave Martinez down the road with the Nationals, and certainly now here in Baltimore. Uh, but the national situation is totally different in that uh, you know they they canned a guy that won two straight division titles. Uh, to bring in Dave Martinez, so the dynamic is different. But in terms of the actual reasoning, maybe Andrew for for both of these guys being hired uh, was the analytics, what they bring in terms of you know getting a, a communication with players. And like you said, while while it may not be diminished, it, it's certainly a di- a different animal right now if you're hiring major league skippers.
5: Absolutely, and I mean anytime you're you're hiring. From the you know the kind of Joe Madden coaching tree, if you will, um, you you would think that that's a good thing. Um, now, Joe Madden, I know, has a lot of I don't want to say detractors, but um, maybe people who are starting to jump off of that ship in Chicago. But you got to realize this is a guy who who brought them a World Series, um, who's got the experience, and it's not going to happen every year like like Cubs fans wanted. Um, you know, it's it, it's tough to go back and, and and win a World Series, especially after you've won one. Um, you know, just ask the Astros, who who couldn't yeah. who couldn't get it done this year. I mean, it's it's a tough thing to do. So these are all these are both guys in in Hyde and Martinez who uh, you know sat next to to Madden on the bench and and learned from him and are getting their their chance at it now. And obviously, you know, you would think that that Martinez's path to success is a little easier than Hyde at this point, just because of the, the personnel around them and the, and the team that they have on the field. But um, but they're both going to have you know, opportunities to going forward to to kind of uh, build up their own resume in, in doing this.
3: I promise you, Brandon Hyde's not going to go to spring training and bring out a couple of camels onto the field.
5: <laughs> no, that's probably that's. I don't that's know a what the bet. analytics say about that. I mean, is that a is that an analytic move or is? That, I'm not sure.
1: That's a good prop bet uh, out yeah. in Vegas, Andre. Um, it was interesting though. This is a 45 year old guy. If I <clears throat> If I said, name me a manager or name me a baseball manager who had been the bench coach three or four places, the one guy that comes to my mind would be Don Zimmer, you know, that probably bench coached until he was in his mid-70s. This guy's 45 years old and has bench coached for four managers, Mm -hmm. Edwin Rodriguez, Jack McKeon, Rich Renteria, and and Joe Madden. It was interesting the other night on the Hot Stove Show on 105.7 – uh, he talked about that, and he said, "You know, it's it's really a different job for each different manager." He said, "For McCann, McCann didn't want he wanted to kind of meet with the media. He wanted to meet with me." He, this is Hyde saying. We used to walk around the stadium on the uh, warning track, and and he'd be smoking a cigar. He was eighty years old then, and he didn't want to really, you know, micromanage. He wanted Hyde to do all that. So. Uh, it's interesting, he's probably had a vastly different look at bench coaching from his four different perches.
5: Yeah, there's no question. And and, and you mentioned the age. I mean we've seen the trend of, of younger managers coming in, former players even. Uh, you've got Cora and, and, and Hinch and, and you know, a lot of these, you know, young up and comers are, are guys that are either coming right out of the right off the field or right out of the broadcast booth, uh, Aaron Boone Another example up in New York, I mean, it's, you know, the youth movement is on when it comes to to, to the dugout. And, um, you know, Hyde may not be quite as young as those other guys, but he's still on the on the younger uh, scale uh, in terms of, of new skippers in the league.
1: We're talking with Andrew Stetka. He writes for Masson and Utah Street Report. We uh, ask you if you're watching us on Facebook right now to please like us and share us. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Andrew uh, let's move off to uh, some uh, some other topics, and I do want to get into some Diamondbacks talk with you uh, about some of the players they've moved and still might move. But I did want to ask you, uh, because you're a pretty good tea-leave tea uh, reader, um, and if you're reading the tea-leaves, the Dodgers yesterday made that big deal where they unloaded some salaries in Wood, Puig, and Kemp. Uh, they did bring back Homer Bailey's big contract, but is that clearing space and dollars for one Bryce Harper?
5: Yeah, we spoke a few weeks ago and, and um, about Harper and and both both Harper and Machado and and I've been you know sticking to my guns and thinking for the longest time that Machado was going to end up in Philadelphia and that Harper was going to go back to the Nationals in D.C. Um, yesterday was the first time I I, I kind of <laughs> took pause on that and mm-hmm. thought okay maybe the Dodgers are making a move for Harper now and maybe that. That uh, that whole thing is, is falling into place, but there are still a lot of rumors about you know other things the Dodgers may do. I mean, they, there's there's a, a lot of uh, scuttlebutt right now about them going after Corey Kluber. I've heard as that well. as so, well, and
1: I think he's definitely going to end up there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean,
5: you know, and that's not to say that the Dodgers couldn't get Kluber in a trade and you know go mm-hmm. out and sign Harper as well. Um, that's certainly plausible. Um, so it, definitely, I think that the Dodgers are in position now to sign harper if that's something they want to do and look this is a move that that would not only make sense for the dodgers because harper's a great player but it makes sense for harper too you know he's from las vegas it's 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 not a far trip from from la um you know it it, it would be kind of a a nice fresh start for him um even if he were to take kind of a a a deal that uh that you know a shorter term deal a three or four year deal and, and become a free agent again in his late 20s um and, and be able to get another contract. That's something that, that that all the all those things are on the table for Harper. Um he's in a great position. He's got a lot of leverage. But the weird thing about it is that, that we haven't seen any of this happen as of yet. Any of yeah. the, the Harper or Machado news. Now obviously the the big trade you mentioned yesterday with the Dodgers uh, sending players like Kemp and Puig to the Reds, you know, that that was a big domino to fall. But we still have not seen a ton of uh, in terms of this hot stove season, get done, and, and of course, there's a, also rumors yesterday that Machado is going to wait until after the new year yeah. to even sign a contract. So, a lot of this stuff is still going to end up happening uh, in January, and, and will probably trickle even in towards spring training. So, it's just another weird, late moving hot stove season like we had last off season, where we had such few action, such little action in, in the free agent market. Um, and I think it's really hurting the players, to, you know, in in getting these contracts signed, and it's kind of a, a shame to see from from that standpoint. Just because you want to you want to see a lot of this action happen and and get players into spring training uh, early enough to to be able to get ready for the season.
1: You know, it's interesting. I know what you're talking about, but I see it moving at a little bit more rapid pace than last year. The free agents, not now. The two biggest guys are clearly. Gonna, you know, create a little bit of a logjam. I'm wondering if you think was that announcement that by his side that Machado's gonna wait until the new year. Is that his way of uh, or his agent's way of signaling to Scott Boras? We're not blinking first. Uh, we think now you might be going to the Dodgers. We want to know what your your guys making before we sign anywhere.
5: I do. I think that's a great point you make, Stan. I mean, it, there's there's no question that the. The, the two big fish out there in the sea are, you know, they're playing a little bit of chicken right now. Um, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I, I thought for sure that Harper would wait until after Machado so that Scott Boris could get him, you know equal to or at least or, or above whatever Machado was going to make. Um, and now that Machado has come out and said, well, we're not signing for a little while, we're going to wait until at least after the new year, Right. Um, and, and it seems like the, the pieces have fallen into place for Harper to either go to L.A. or, or still maybe perhaps go back to the, to the Nationals or maybe, <laughs> heck, sign in, in, in Philadelphia where, where it looks like Machado will go. I mean, Machado had all those meetings this week. He went to New York. He went to Philly. Um, he had one or other earlier in the week. I don't remember where. Chicago White um, Sox. The White, the White Sox, Sox yeah. right? The White Sox. And Where's and his where his brother-in-law. Where his brother-in-law right. plays. And and the White Sox are still a factor for, for for both of those players. I think. I think they would love to land either Machado or Harper. Yep. So there's definitely a lot of landing spots now starting to develop for either of these players. And it is it is kind of looking like you know a matter of who will blink first. And um, in terms of Machado's camp, maybe it was a smart move to say we're going to wait because. You know why would Harper decide to wait now? He's he's got so many different options and, and so many different uh, places he could land. He, he might as well get 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 it done and, and and see where the chips fall. But it will be really interesting to see between the two of them which one signs first and who ends up getting more. Let's, um, you know they're they're totally different players yep. in terms of position and 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 the skill sets that they bring. But they definitely are both the uh, the top two on the market and. and Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like you said, it, it'll it'll kind of provide a little bit of um, a, a flow once once they they sign somewhere, everyone else will will kind of fall into place.
1: Let's move over to the Diamondbacks. I think we had you on just after the the, the Cardinal trade where Goldschmidt went to the Cardinals. Uh, right. So I think we got your opinion on him a couple of weeks ago. But Patrick Corbin, what are the Nats getting in Patrick Corbin?
5: Well, they're getting a really solid, you know rotation guy that's going to fit in nicely with the other arms they have you know the Strasburgs and the, and the Scherzers of the world um I was you know I've heard a little bit of talk about how uh you know the Nationals would rather have a guy like Tanner Roark than pay so much for Patrick Corbin but I mean Patrick Corbin is still going to be a reliable left-handed arm uh in that rotation and that's something I know that they're looking for too as a lefty so um he's 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 you know they they paid a pretty penny for him and, and he's going to produce. I mean he's going to give you good numbers. Um, it, but the Nationals seem to seem to do this all the time with uh, with a lot of what they you know with the rotation. They, they seem to stock up and um, it, it hasn't brought them the playoff success that they wanted. So it, it's really going to come down to how these guys can perform if they get to October. That's that's what it always comes down to with that team and um, and and for that matter, if they can get him to October, because obviously they they failed to do that last season.
3: Well, and a lot of it's depending on the health of uh, certainly Strasburg, number one, who's shown throughout his history he can't stay healthy a whole year. Uh, Corbin, I think, uh, is a great uh, left-handed replacement for Gio Gonzalez uh, in that rotation. It's an
1: upgrade, I think. It's an upgrade,
3: and you know what? It's going to be interesting to see where Gio lands now, too, as well. You know, is, is there a fit for him back in Washington? I'm not so sure.
1: Especially after the Annabelle Sanchez right, contract right. yesterday. Uh, Andrew, before we let you go, two more questions. What kind of player is a team getting in, in uh, A.J. Pollock? Who do you think that team might still be? And Zach Greinke. Um, we're seeing some teams unload big contracts. Cano, uh, Homer Bailey, Matt Kemp. You know, teams shuffling around dollars. I know the Diamondbacks would love to get out from under that contract, but with something in return—is that a possibility?
5: Yeah, no question. So let me start with Pollock. Um, Pollock is a you know on the on the on the wrong side of thirty now, but he's still you know a very viable uh, outfielder, uh, good defensively. I, there's there's a couple teams I think that would that would be a good fit. I know there's a lot of rumors about the New York Mets with Pollock. Um, but he's he's kind of a mystery just because I don't know. Again, from a health standpoint, you know he he may need to be spelled here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw we saw Michael Brantley get a deal. There's still a lot of other um, uh, chips to fall, including Harper. I mean, we talk about you know he's he's at the top of the outfield market. Um, obviously, there's a lot of others that that, that kind of need to fall in place before Pollock will. But Pollock is is certainly a starter somewhere. Um, it's you know he's he's a guy who has produced over the last two years um and and is is now it seems healthy so he's a he's a good contact guy um can can really uh manage the strike zone well so it's you know he's definitely a viable uh free agent but you're probably still gonna have to wait for like the harper deal to come mm-hmm. through before he finds a home um when it comes to grinky the diamondbacks would definitely love to to offload grinky the diamondbacks and you know make no mistake the paul goldschmidt trade kind of set all of this off they are in full reset nice. yeah you know, they, they've hit that button already so grinky they would love to move him um the problem with moving him is that he not only has a big contract but he's you know 35 years old now and while he's still very productive you know it's it, a lot of it is a contract there's a lot of money on that deal it runs through uh 2021. Um, and then there's over a hundred million dollars on it. So, you know, they, they would probably have to, in, in any kind of trade, take on a lot of that, uh, a lot of that money and, and reduce the, the cost for, for whoever they were to trade with. But, um, there's certainly, I mean, I know there were a lot of talks, advanced talks, um, last year with the Astros, that would be a move that they yeah. could certainly, you know, make. Um, Houston is, is they've already lost Charlie Morton. Uh, to free agency they're they're probably going to lose Dallas Keuchel as well so that's uh that's certainly a, a landing spot I could see and they
1: might and they mean, might be audacious enough to also think they could improve his game again like they did with verlander
5: no question no question you know they they, they do a lot of, of work uh, with uh, with advanced analytics and and they could they could see him as a, as a, a verlander 2.0 yeah um I would I would never exclude the Yankees mm-hmm. from a conversation like this. I mean, they are always looking for pitching and especially after uh missing out on Patrick Corbin, they could certainly uh try to acquire Grinky that they they need the help um in the rotation as well. So there's there's definitely, you know, contenders out there that that would be looking to make a move for Grinky. They would just need to get the salary relief because the biggest, you know, the biggest hiccup in any kind of deal like that um, is the, the massive contract Diamondbacks gave out to him. And that's something that's rare for the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks fans are obviously not happy, you know, with, with everything that's going on. They lost their, their cornerstone in Goldschmidt to the, to the Cardinals, which I think in the long run was probably a smart idea for, for, for for the Diamondbacks. It was kind of it. it, it struck me as what I thought the Orioles maybe should have done with Machado a year before, yeah, early, yeah. earlier yeah. than late, yeah. um, and getting a better return. And that's not to say that the return they got is a guarantee, but um, but they can at least they at least were able to get a little more value in terms of prospects from the Cardinals than right. uh, than they would have gotten.
1: All right, Mr. Stecka, we appreciate your being on with us. We hope you and your family out there in Arizona have a happy holiday season. And we'll talk to you uh, shortly into the new year. I'm sure.
5: Anytime, gentlemen. Happy uh, holidays. Say Perfect. hey to
3: say hey to Jen and the kids, and also uh, tell her not to complain too much about the weather.
1: Okay,
5: <laughs> we'll do. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll try to we'll try to keep it. Uh, you know. Keep it warm
1: enough out here. Happy, healthy New Year to you and your family. All right. thank you guys. Andrew Stetka of MassInSports.com and also the Utah Street Report gets to write and observe about Baltimore sports, but get Arizona weather. Absolutely. All right. Something unfair about that. It does, does seem something. But I want
3: to tell you about our favorite place to go eat. Well, yeah. And it's yeah. Right, right here. Yeah. Cost us. Cost us in. Yeah. 4100 North Point Boulevard. and they have specials, uh, don't they, they have weeknight? specials every weeknight. And uh, Monday, it's crab cake night. Tuesday, it's rib night. Wednesday, it's steak night. That's a big uh, deal for Stan the Fan. And also, uh, Stan sure. the Fan's wife on Thursday, it's lobster night. Right. So uh, you can go in there and get uh, all of the f- best seafood. And Friday, we bring the
1: kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh. For that whole gaggle of specials right. at Pete's And uh,
3: with the holiday season here, you can also ship those world-famous crab cakes and steamed crabs uh, anywhere in the country you want to send them you can uh, call Pete Triantopoulos over there at the Sin and uh, put in an order yeah and and it's it
1: makes a great Christmas gift and still great still enough time to get a Christmas uh, gift card for somebody Absolutely. just call the Costaan 410 477 1975 the Sin, one of our favorite places to stop any time of the year and the rat pack playing on New Year's Eve.
3: And you don't want to miss that.
1: All right, we're going to take a timeout when we get back. Our friend Mike Shallon from the New Hampshire Union Leader joins us up there near Boston. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a
6: statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com
0: you mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cater your holiday party at home, at the office, or as that contribution you make to your friend's party. Take the nugget platter. I guarantee your friends will eat every bite. Enough with the meatballs and a crock pot. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cook it, pack it, and if you'd like, deliver it. Sandwiches, sliders, waffle fries, desserts, even breakfast. Have you tried the Chick-fil-A chicken minis? Delicious. You have enough to do. Don't add more cooking. For not only will your catering platter be sensational, but your home will smell amazing and you won't be exhausted by the time your party starts. Order online or through your Chick-fil-A app. If you need help, ask Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. He's been there for 150 years. He knows how to do everything. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, for the holidays, you're welcome.
2: Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily and now in addition to earning respect you may earn up to forty thousand dollars in bonuses if you qualify to learn more visit goarmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY paid for by the u.s. army
1: Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Day's Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Day's Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Day's Grill, great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day, facebook.com slash Sports.
0: Score big at the green turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find
7: your local Turtle. Press Box's annual Best of Baltimore Sports double issue is now available. Presented by Maryland Sports Commission. This issue recognizes UMBC basketball's Ryan Odom and Jairus Lyles as our local sportspersons of the year. Plus 60 more are in the spotlight as we look at the top people, performances, and moments of the year. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
6: This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from The can't. Bottom
0: Our Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Roman Reigns. Never wrestled for Ring of Honor, never wrestled for PWG,
6: never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you, and this is why I keep stupid idiots like you my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to
0: save you. Find jobbing out the podcast tab at PressboxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. It's,
3: it's nice to know that Glenn and Aaron are both on his list. Yes, <laughs> very good. Especially right now,
1: the holiday season. <laughs> hey, before we grab our friend Mike Shallon, who I understand has got his makeup on, he's uh-huh. ready. So we'll let him believe that he's on Facebook uh, Live. Okay, too. good enough. I wanted to tell people about Pressbox's project Game Day. At halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game, that means tonight you can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. Postgame, Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day tonight. Go to Facebook.com slash Sports at halftime with Glenn Clark of the uh, Ravens-Chargers game.
3: And it's not a big deal because neither one of them do anything on
1: a Saturday night normally. No, exactly. So they, exactly. the, the wives be and here. loved ones right, are exactly. thrilled to death that they'll be here <laughs> until midnight after the game. All right. Joining us right now is a good friend, uh, New Hampshire Union leaders, uh, lead sports columnist, and that is our friend Mike Shallon. And Mike is also... Uh, an official scorer, much like Jim Henneman here in Baltimore. Mike, how many games do you do at Fenway each year? Do you do half the games, roughly? Uh, almost, yeah, Between thirty-five and forty. Depending. All right. Is that a lot of fun for you to do? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those. Um,
8: uh, I don't know because. You know the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like that kind of fun. <laughs> it, it not not that literally, but uh, it's uh, it's fun and it's not at the same. It's time.
1: Stre- It's stressful. I mean, it's got a stressful edge to it, doesn't it?
8: It can be stressful, and um, obviously, it's it's cut Jimmy's life short. She's only what 112 now. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's. Jimmy's Jimmy's in his eighties now, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's been at this for a long time. Um, uh, I work with a guy named Charlie Scoggins, who's been doing it since 1978. And um, you know, it, it's it's just there's there's a little bit of pressure. There there are games where where you do nothing, and then there are games where you. Um, you know, you see things you've never seen before. Yeah, that's a great thing about baseball. It's something that always happens that you've never seen before.
1: Any differences between managers? In other words, Joey Cora, uh, Alex Cora, excuse me, a little bit calmer, cooler, collected compared to his predecessor John Farrell and other managers you might have done this under.
8: In, in terms of us,
1: yeah.
8: Oh, uh, we don't we don't get any flack from the from managers. Okay. Um, there was a time. There was a time that uh, they were allowed to ask to speak to us,
4: mm-hmm. um,
8: and then the new basic agreement took that out. It okay. was actually part of the basic agreement that there's now a um, there's now a uh, uh, protocol in place where you where the player can file a uh, grievance, if you will, or a challenge to a call. But they cannot ask they cannot ask to speak to us personally. We're not in a, we're not allowed in the clubhouse uh, days that we're working. Okay. In fact, uh, if an old friend of mine comes in with another team, uh, I specifically ask my boss if it's okay
1: for me to drop down and say hello to him because we're not supposed to be down there. Okay, interesting. Hey, you're kind enough to come on this uh, show with no compensation, so whenever I can, I like to help plug whatever you're doing. This is a yeah, book. No, that, uh, the, no,
8: no, no shutdown here.
1: No, there's a, uh, a book that you've come out with along with the photographer, um his first name, now I remember his second name, Babineau, and his first Steve name, Babineau. Steve, right? Yep. Uh And it's called The Hometown Team. Uh, I bought a copy for a friend of mine, his significant other, is giving it to him for Christmas from me, uh, and I'm excited about that. He's a big Red Sox fan. But tell me a little bit about the reception this book's gotten. And keep in mind, his significant other is also
3: watching this show on Facebook right now. No, no, <laughs> no, that other
1: uh, that other person. That I got ah, not, I'm not Jane, not Jane. I'm teasing. All right, but go ahead.
3: Well,
8: it's you know it, it's uh, basically it's these uh, four decades of shooting the Red Sox at Fenway Park, and uh, it's his second book. He actually did one called Black and Gold, which was his book about the Bruins because he's been doing them for forty years too. Wow. Um, you know, Steve and I just started talking about this and he 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 said that he had uh hundreds and thousands of slides and you know, you I remember you talking about most of this most of that time being film and not this digital uh stuff that they're doing now. And um as I tell people he just kept hassling me and when the, when the uh when the um, restraining order didn't work, I figured I'd go ahead and do the book with it.
1: <laughs> and when you didn't get that job at Forbes, right?
8: <laughs> that, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a big factor, too. Yes. <laughs> um, no, it, it's been received well. I think, the, I think the publisher underprinted it a little bit, which mm-hmm. forced us to go into a second printing early. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people that tried to get it on Amazon before the holidays and we're told that there weren't any. They're back in stock now, I guess. And,
1: and I had a very well, interesting, I had a very interesting experience, by the way. I ordered it probably about November 20th, 25th or something. About three weeks go by and I get an email that says that your book will be in between January the 6th and January 28th. So I called Amazon yeah. and they said, yeah, we're sorry, uh, you know there aren't enough copies or something. Then the book shows up like December eighteenth or something like that. So it's been sitting yeah, around for a little bit. The
8: publishing game is weird. Yeah, it just I can't figure it out. My attitude with these things is I get the project done. I get whatever advance I can, and then and then you know you get these. I just got a check the other day for my Gilles uh, Villeneuve, New York Rangers book. Which I, which I did and then redid. I just got a check for $96 the other day. I had no idea how it works. They could send me $3 and tell me that's <laughs> what I deserve, and I have, I would have no way of knowing. Right. So that's the way, right. that's just the way it works. You know, not, not all of us are John Feinstein who gets a million dollars to sit down and write a book. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's something that you kind of do for, you know, your own gratitude, I guess. Yep. And, and I've had a great time going out and I'm selling it myself. Um, I, I have a friend who's a librarian in, in uh Connecticut and I went to speak to his, his library about my Don Mattingly book years mm-hmm. ago and, and he is he's, he sends out an email blast so I've been I've been uh, doing a, a a tour through the state of Connecticut and That's great. I enjoy meeting with people. The crowds have been anywhere from four to twenty five to thirty people and, yep. and and then I I sell copies of the book and we sign it
1: afterwards. It's That's great. It's a lot of fun. Hey, I had the pleasure yesterday out at greetings and readings. I had the pleasure to sit with Jane Levy, Levy uh, for about an hour and a half as she signed some books out there. Uh, have yeah. you read any of her books, Koufax, Mantle? Uh, I, read, I, I, or, I read the Nicky. Was it Nicky Mantle? Book, yeah, right. The Last Boy yeah, Hero. Yeah,
8: yeah. I read that, and I have. I have uh, my friend Johnny Miller sends me books all the time, so I have. Um, uh, the new, uh, the new Babe Ruth book The big she, fella. She, the big fella. Yeah, big yeah. fella. And I'm going to definitely sit down and read that.
3: How is Johnny Miller doing? Yeah, how's he doing?
8: Johnny's doing great. He's uh, he's planning on leaving for Florida on uh, Martin Luther King Day, which is like the 14th or something in January, and uh, renting a car when he's down there, going back to work. He. Um, it's great. Uh, he's got a little bit of weakness in his right right hand. I bought him a I bought him a couple of two pound dumbbells. That then I told his therapist, with dumbbells for a dumbbell. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so he can do little curls with his right hand. And uh, he's back to, uh, he's basically back, I would say, to about 97%. Oh, right,
1: That's job. fantastic. And Absolutely. i got to tell you, you're a hell of a friend. Because every time, it seemed like every few days on Facebook, you've got an update on him. You went to visit him quite a bit. Uh, you're a good friend, uh, Mike. Well.
8: Um, you know he's he's been a good friend of me. I've known him for four, 40 years, and, mm. and uh, uh, he's a unique he's a unique individual.
3: Long and, um, long before the uh, internet, he would come into the press box either at Memorial Stadium or at Camden Yards, and he would always give me a self-addressed stamped envelope for me to send him an Orioles schedule. When they come out and they get printed, you know, about midway through the right. we're midway through the winter, and I would always have to do that and send, make sure I sent it up to him.
1: He's quite a guy.
8: Yeah, his uh, his, his hobby now um, that he's home, he gets all the newspapers delivered in the morning, and he he tears them down uh, into individual articles and puts them in an envelope because it has it has the attendant taken to the post office so he can mail the clips to me. <laughs>
1: Unbelievable, unbelievable! Hey, yeah. what kind of off season have the Red Sox had so far?
8: Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, they took care of two two priorities, I think, in in Pierce and um, and uh, and uh, now and they lost they lost Kelly, and now they're kind of in a wait and see mode. I think on Kimball. Um, I think at one point it was assumed that he was gone, um, but then he came out and said he wanted six years over a hundred million dollars. Like, that's not out there for him. Nope. So uh, he may wind up coming back here, I think, on a two or three year deal. And um, you know, if you have to if you have to settle for Craig Kimball as your closer, you're in pretty good shape. You know, he, what, he, he has what a lot you know?
1: What would the figure so, be to settle for? Would he be like eighteen a year for three years, seventeen a something year? Something like
8: that. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark I guess, you know. Um but you know, maybe even with an automatic trigger on the fourth year or, or something like that. But he he's not getting six years. And uh, you know, with the with the general feeling around baseball now of, of quantity over quality, as far as your bullpen is concerned, having a lot of arms down there, they do have they do have, uh, have Bonds and uh, Brazier here uh, as as potential closers. Um, I, I think that uh, you know. Um, Pinwell is, is, is pretty darn good. He had, yeah. he had a rough ride in the postseason, and people are down on him a little bit here. But um, uh, there aren't many better when it comes down to the long haul of the season. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that works out.
1: Do you see them in the hunt for any of the other, and I won't call them second-tier guys, but David Robertson or Zach Britton? Do you think yeah. they could be in the market there?
8: Yeah, I think they definitely are. Yeah. Um, and as far as position players, I, I think they're one of the 11 teams in on Tulewitzki already.
4: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
8: For depth, you know, because somebody's going to get him for the minimum for two years. Yeah. And uh, granted, he's hurt all the time, but he, but a, a gamble of $600,000 is really nothing. Yeah. Michael. Um, no, go ahead, yeah, I'm he'd sorry. Be, he'd, be, he'd be devastating, obviously, in, in, in this or any other hit of the
1: ballpark. Yeah. What's the latest on Dustin Pedroia? <laughs> well...
8: Um, they thought he was going to need more surgery. That was avoided. Um, he's he's working out in in Arizona, and um, you know they're kind of in a limbo situation there because you really, you know, somebody said, "Well, why didn't they go out and get Jonathan Scope or or you know, why the disc or what?" The thing is that they, you really have to leave the spot for him. You know, because if you go out and get yourself a second baseman and he can come back, what do you do there? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're in a, they're in a situation here where they've got Brock Holt, they've got Nunez, they've got Lin, they You know, they, could, they, can, they can get by, and if they realize that, that Pejoria can't play anymore, they can always go out and get another Ian Kingsley. Yeah. So there's always, there's always somebody floating out there. And, um, you know, with this lineup, they can afford to, you know, to wait and see. And, and give him give him the respect that i think he deserves he's got three years left on his contract and um i think it would be a you know be a great story if he can come back even a shell of himself you know, right. what people what people forget is that even before the knee trouble which may well have been caused by mr machado uh there was you know there were other problems Dustin missed a lot of time over his career because yeah. he way he plays the game so um it would be, be a heck of a story if he makes it back. and, and uh, I think that that, that they kind of owe it to him to uh,
9: to kind of wait and see how he can do. You
3: know, I know one thing. As far as guys that you would rather – like to start a team with, even though if you're playing against them, you absolutely hate, hate them. them. Yeah. Dustin Bedroy is one. Brett Gardner with the Yankees is always another one on my list. So from that standpoint yeah. – uh, but but he's such a tremendous player as Dustin that you really want to have him back. Let me ask you this: Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Alex Wood, Kyle Farmer to the Reds yesterday in exchange for Homer Bailey and the prospects. Do the Dodgers clear enough money to make a run at Harper?
8: Well, there's so many different angles to this stuff. First of all, Bailey's already been released. Yeah, right? exactly.
3: Yeah, oh, he, has he has been. been. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's already been released.
8: Yeah, and uh, or or the. Is in the process thereof, but um, uh, they cleared. I think I heard Kenny Rosenthal say last night that they kind of cleared like fifteen to sixteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, they are terribly left-handed already.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I don't see them doing, uh, you know, nine ten years for for uh, Bryce Harper. I really don't. There are other guys out there. The name that I heard last night was AJ Pollock. Right who would not only give them a the center fielder, which they don't have, but would also give them some right-handed balance in their lineup to go with Turner. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with these two guys. For the life of me, I don't know what the Yankees are doing. Um, I You know, I, I know that Manny's a great player, but I kind of would love to have seen them. But I, I want to see how the M. Duhar thing played out, because for a kid to be such a great hitter yeah. at such a young age, you know, people. Uh, Wade Boggs wasn't a very good fielder when he came up either, and became a Gold going third baseman. And uh, Devers here in Boston's already made tremendous improvement at, at the position. Uh, but they—they, they, you know, it's a shining—you know. Listen, if the if the old man
1: was still alive, Machado would have signed already. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> he might have signed both of them. Hey, the both book. Of them. Yeah, don't have to worry about it later. The book know? is the hometown team. It's Steve Babineau's photographs, Mike Shallon's words. Best place for most of our listeners and viewers is probably Amazon uh, to order it. Uh, maybe late for Christmas, but I tell you, it's a great uh, great read and a great visual book. Mike Shallon, many thanks. Happy, healthy New Year to you.
8: Same to you guys. It's and awesome your family
1: people. and your grandchildren. All right. Thank you very much. And that Johnny Miller. That's right. And Johnny Miller. All right. <laughs> Take care, Mike. Right. Bye. He can take the makeup off now. Yeah, he yeah. All right. We're going to make our connection before our next break with Mark Zuckerman of mm-hmm. Mass and Sports, and I'll let you do the uh, the intro there. I want to tell folks about something, and that is Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Right. As we know, they're closed on Sundays. Right. But Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays. You can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A Catering trays, perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. But you got to act today, Saturday, that's to right. Chick-fil-A on, on Sundays. Sunday, right. All right?
3: So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, and that's why when we were talking to Andrew Stetkin, I think Mike probably shares the same kind of feeling about it is, uh, this doesn't. This doesn't necessarily mean Bryce Harper to L. A. Now because of what he was saying. There's a.
1: We'll see. That's a big time. Okay, that's I, that's I, a big time left-handed hitting lineup. I got in the car yesterday after being with Jane Levy, yeah. Levy for uh, an hour and a half, and she asked me where I thought he was going to go. I said that. I turn on Casey Stern, and he's <laughs> got him. He, he's almost announcing that it's it, done. That it's done. It's right, a done yeah. deal. All
3: but right. Yes. Our next guest is Mark Zuckerman of Mass and & Sports and MassAndSports.com, the beat writer for the Washington Nationals. Good morning, Mark. Happy holidays. How are you doing?
1: Good morning. How are you guys today? We're good. Thanks I'll, for spending some time with us, let Mark.
3: Me, let me ask it. you a couple of things Nats related right off the bat, and that's one, Annabelle Sanchez, who was signed to two years and uh, $19 million with an option for 2021. Uh, when they you know, traded uh, – Tanner Rourke to the Reds, uh, that certainly opened up a spot. And uh, Sanchez seems to be a pretty good guy because, uh, number one, his numbers last year, pretty good, but against the Nationals, even better.
10: Yeah, he's dominated the Nationals, yeah. uh, not just last year with the Braves, but going all the way back to when he was with the Marlins. Yeah. Um, he's always been a thorn in their side, and he's had really good numbers at uh, Nats Park as well. So I think they looked at that. I think they looked at – this last season, and they believe that that wasn't just some kind of outlier here. Um, They think that he's actually made some changes to his repertoire. He's uh, started throwing his cutter a whole lot more, um, relying on that more than his fastball. Uh, Basically, by changing speeds, by getting movement, he was one of the best in baseball at inducing weak contact last season. And I think the Nationals feel like that is a, a skill that's valuable and a skill that uh, should translate from year to year. Now, look, there there's some gamble here. You're giving him two guaranteed years mm-hmm. at 19 million. He's 35. He is coming off a very good year, but uh, it's been a while since he's gone back to back and having quality seasons. Um, he also has not uh, had a track record for making 30 starts or approaching 200 innings. He's been more of a 20 starts, 120 to 140 inning kind of pitcher. So I think what they're hoping for here is uh, quality over quantity, perhaps, recognizing that they may not get a full uh, season out of him like you would out of Scherzer, but if the innings he gives them uh, are high quality, then it will be worth it. But um, I think a lot of people, myself included, are going to be paying really close attention to what Tanner Roark does next season in Cincinnati
4: because
10: there's going to be an obvious comparison between these two because they essentially said we'd rather have Sanchez than Roark, and I can't say that that's uh, absolutely the right move. I think it could go either way, and it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out.
3: Well, well now let me ask you this. uh, With Fetty and Joe Ross in the back end of that rotation, I'm assuming that Mike Rizzo isn't done yet as far as maybe filling out that uh, rotation in general and going out and getting someone else. And I'm here, I'm
1: hearing the name Wade Miley mentioned yeah. there.
10: Yeah, Miley is one of the guys that they've uh, talked to in the last week or two, certainly since the Roark trade. Um, yeah, I do think that they're going to be looking for more. I don't know if it's somebody along those lines. I don't know if it's potentially somebody bigger name. I'd, I'd be surprised at this point. If they went and spent more, you know, significant money on a bigger name starter, but we know the history. Mike Rizzo believes uh, in the power of winning through a dominant rotation, mm-hmm. and that's not the trend in baseball nowadays, actually. But he still believes that is the best way to go about it. And so, would it shock me if he went and signed Dallas Keuchel? No, I'd be surprised, but not shocked, uh, because I do think this is what he believes is the best path towards winning a championship uh, is doing something like that. But, you know, you're right, Craig, in that they like Joe Ross and Eric Fetty. But, again, you're talking about two young guys um, with track records of injuries, uh, guys who have not pitched full seasons in the big leagues. And inconsistencies
3: uh, when they're on the mound.
10: Right, right. I think Ross, they do feel like before the Tommy John surgery, uh, was was on a, a pretty good track and looked like he had the making of a, of a good solid number three or four starter, um, but you know didn't really get to see a lot of him after the injury. And Fetty, uh, for all the promise there, we really haven't seen a lot uh, of him living up to it so far. So uh, they want to have alternatives to those guys. They do believe those guys are going to be in the mix along the course of the season, but I don't think they want to uh, feel like they have to rely on one or both of them um, given the histories there,
3: what Stan said about Wade Miley is interesting because we saw obviously what he did with the Brewers last year. But the other part, when he was healthy. But the other part of it is, if you look back over his career, the numbers that he puts up in the National, National League, League as opposed yeah. to the American League is night and day. And we saw yeah, that San- we saw that here in Baltimore.
10: Yeah, at Sanchez is kind of a similar thing. In Detroit, yep. the numbers are awful. But you look at his uh, yeah. uh, Miami and Atlanta numbers much better. Yeah. Uh, they've done this before. Doug Fister was a similar case. Uh, even Scherzer, to some extent. Uh, I do think they look for value sometimes in guys who've been in the American League, and they feel like they can thrive better uh, in the National League. So um, it's going to be fascinating how this all plays out. And you know, like I said, it's really going to be fascinating how this season turns out for Tanner Roark and will they ultimately have made the right decision in trading him in exchange for Sanchez and whoever else uh, they end up getting? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I I was a Tanner Roark guy. I believe that uh, his value in always making his starts. he's never spent a day on the DL. Uh, I know the last two seasons weren't as good for him in terms of performance, um, but I felt like he was a pretty strong bounce-back candidate and just a guy who did so much for this team over the years, uh, and at times when he could have complained about it and he didn't, uh, I I think they are going to miss him. Um, But it's entirely possible that the replacements are going to be better for them, and it's really going to be interesting to me to watch how that plays out over the
1: next season. You know, it's interesting, Mark. You probably know that I am a big Musina fan Heist is a fan and a friend of Mike Mussina's. I hadn't it's, heard that about Craig. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting if you if you flip flop him and Tom Glavin and Glavin would have been in the AL East and he would have pitched in the national league, I think <laughs> I think Musina's clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer if his numbers were Compiled in the National League. Well, you know,
3: and Mike Maddox used to tell, or I'm sorry, Greg Maddox used to tell me all the time. He says, "If I pitched in the American League, my my ERA would have been at least a run higher." <laughs>
10: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny. As much as uh, as much as the two leagues have kind of become homogenous, and that all those things over the years that we felt like were uh, separating the two, uh, really aside from the D, the DH, there isn't that much difference anymore. And yet, some of those old uh truism still kind of hold up and the american league is a tougher league for pitchers there is more offense you're facing 9 hitters instead of 8 uh, and I think you do see it affect the pitcher stats, even even in today's game.
3: Yeah, how about it? You know, you might have heard that about me, or you know that that I'm a friend and a fan. But also, I've heard about you that you've never voted for him for the Hall of
4: yeah, Fame. Yeah,
10: I have not submitted my ballot yet, so I'm still open to uh, to adjustment. Uh, and it, as always, I give it a really good close look, and it is. Every year, one of, if not my toughest decisions, is where to go.
3: How do you think analytics has played into that with him? I mean, his his rise from, say, 24 or 5% all the way up to 63 and, you know, 635 last he's year. Right
1: now, with 17% of the vote in, he's got 82% of the, yeah.
10: the, the vote so far.
1: But it's yeah. a long way to go.
10: I, I think analytics have played a role in it. I think also some of this is... Um, the, the the changing generation of voters, uh, that you've had some turnover uh, in voters over the last five years or so. And so maybe you have more younger voters who grew up watching this guy pitch as opposed to having covered him mm-hmm. pitch. And so they may have a little different uh, image in their mind uh, of who he is. I, I, I certainly think that the changing electorate has had a big effect on Clemens and Bonds and other CED, uh, accused CED users, uh, why their totals are going up, because I think you're seeing uh, people now who grew up watching baseball during the steroid era, not necessarily covering it, and who look at it as maybe less uh, of a of an infraction and less uh, of, a, of a black mark against them during a time when baseball was not testing or punishing for testing. Uh, and I think that's played a big role in it, too. So I It is fascinating to me, you know, when I first started voting, there were a few guys on the ballot, Burt Blylevin was one of them, who I never, you know, he was out of baseball long before I started covering Mm him. I remember him as a kid watching him, but even his career began, I think, before I was born. And I always felt a little uncomfortable, like, am I really the most qualified person to be judging uh, this guy's career? Now you're seeing guys on the ballot, these are all the guys that I uh, have watched my whole life and, and covered for most of their careers, and I think you have a different perspective on it when it's that, uh, you know, as opposed to the guys that you only saw on TV, uh, you know, when you're 10, 12 years old.
3: This deal yesterday with the Reds and the Dodgers, do you really, are you amongst a lot of people who think that now the Dodgers have cleared all the space they need to to sign Bryce Harper? I'm not so convinced about it myself.
10: Well, I have always, before this, you can know, go back. Two years, I've always believed that the Dodgers were the number one uh, potential suitor for mm-hmm. Bryce. And I just thought it made too much sense on both sides. You're talking about an iconic franchise uh, in a city, in a market that I think suits him better than New York or even Chicago, um, a franchise, though, that for all the success they've had, think about who all the, the greats in Dodger history are. They're pitchers. It's Koufax and Drysdale, Valenzuela, hersheiser uh, Kershaw now. You know, who are the great hitters in L.A. Dodger history? You're talking about Kirk Gibson, Steve Garvey, that type, uh, and a franchise that has gone now 30 years without winning a title. They've yep. come really close the last two years. I think there's a lot of motivation on their part to now try to get over that hump and restore that franchise to where they believe it should be and maybe now is the time that they go for broke and spend big on a guy like Bryce
3: Harper to help them get over that hump. So Stan I've that, always
10: felt like it was appealing on both sides and I think the trade yesterday only helps bolster that potential.
3: Stan that comparison right there he makes
1: with the players. Yeah. You know, is, is an interesting perspective. We haven't really heard no, from we or talked discussed about it. Yeah. it. Yeah, you're you're right about that. There haven't been many Los Angeles Dodger hitters that are considered iconic or great names. Uh, in the game of baseball, Mark. Before we let you go, I got about one minute. Can you give me your thoughts on two Hall of Fame votes: Billy Wagner, relief pitcher, and Jeff Kent, second baseman?
10: Sure. Uh, I've I have voted for Wagner each year that he's been on it. Yep. Uh, I think the only knock on him is the, the lack of volume mm-hmm. of innings. But you look at what he did per inning: strikeouts and uh, whip. Whip.
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. Saved
10: all that. He is right there with Hoffman and all the greats uh, among the closers. So I do vote for him. Lower
1: Jeff, lower career whip than Mariano Rivera. He exactly. has a, under 9.9.8. Mm-hmm. Nine Rivera is 1.00. Zero zero.
10: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Complete dominance. So, yes, I do vote for him.
1: Kent, I have not voted for um, basically
10: because, The short version is, yes, as a second baseman, you look at the power numbers and say he's among the best of all time. But, number one, he wasn't bringing a lot else to the table in terms of defense, base running, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And number two, when you look at him versus the rest of baseball in his time, uh, he doesn't really stand out. There were so many big power hitters in his era that I think he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. And so if you just want to compare him to other second basemen and say, yeah, he did hit for a lot of power, but I think in the context of what was going on in baseball during his time in the game, uh, it doesn't quite stand out as much. But I'm surprised he doesn't get more support. Yep. So I do think he deserves more than the, you know, what did he get, about 10% even of the vote. I think he deserves more than that.
3: Mark, thanks a lot for being with us and taking the time today. Happy holidays to you, your family, Rachel, Brian, and uh, I, I'm, assuming, what's your, what's I'm your... assuming he's ready for the big night. Yes. Uh,
10: <laughs> seven years old is the... Good time to be a kid. All yes, right. it
1: is. Mark, thanks very much. Happy Healthy New Year. All right. Sorry, thank you. You guys, too. All right. There you go. Before we jo- join by Rick Vaughn, we got a little business to take care of. The best of Baltimore sports issue is on the streets, Yeah. on the stands, and it features our interviews with our Persons of the Year, Jarius Lyles, who's now playing for the Utah Jazz, what's it, D-League? Or? D-League, yeah. D-League team, and also – uh, Ryan Odom, the head coach of uh, the UMBC Retrievers.
3: I'm assuming it's still the D-League. They may be calling it something else. I think else they're calling it something else. The Wizards. Else. I the think it's Wizards, the K-League. The K-League. Okay, because yeah. the Wizards team in that is called the Capital City Go-Go's. Okay.
1: okay. But anyway, we also got over 60 uh, unique categories where we've uh, uh, labeled the best of in press Pressbox's opinion. We hope you'll pick it up. Uh, it's on the stands for two months. It's yeah. on one. Through February 15th, so we hope you'll take the time to pick it up at one of over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. By the way, Craig, uh, if you're going down to the eastern shore for the holidays, there's one place to hit on the way down or the way back. Yeah, that's
3: right. And that's Big Bats. And that's over at St. Clair Place on the Eastern Shore. Cross the Bay Bridge. 216, St. 16, St. Clair Place. 216, St. Clair Place. Cross the uh, Bay Bridge. Get off on the first exit. That's Stevensville. Get up to the light at the uh, top of the ramp. Uh, make a left. And it's about a quarter of a mile down on your right hand side. Great bar, food, grub to be able to watch all, all the games. All the
1: games. Capitals, Wizards, all the bowl games. Um, any of the NFL playoff games are coming up, and it's the one place. <laughs> we just got to figure out the Redskins or the Ravens are going to be one of those That's right, games. <laughs> and it's one of those places, it's the only place that you can sit. On a base. On a base. Big yeah. Bats, tell Steve Garland, the pro- proprietor, that uh, Stan the Fan and Craig Heist sent you.
0: Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to two and take advantage of their new 15 minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15 minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious b before you gotta get back to the office buffalo wild wings white marsh owings mills and westminster wings beer sports available for dine in orders at participating locations for a limited
11: time see restaurant for details what's up it's kz this season you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at loop league click the link pinned at the top of my twitter page that's at Fans fantasy And pick any five games against the spread every week. It's free to sign up, and someone wins a $25 Royal Farms gift card every single week. Plus, we'll have great season-long prizes as well. And check out all the other awesome games at Loop League, where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time. Join our Picks League now at loopleague.com.
6: One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation.
0: Visit BeLegendaryMD.com chick-fil-a on sundays with chick-fil-a's reheatable chilled nugget trays you can have chick-fil-a on sunday make all your events remarkable with chick-fil-a catering trays perfect for tailgating birthdays office or holiday parties
2: respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad on the army team Respect is earned daily, and now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus, or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army.
11: KZ, Sari, the NFL Chick KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon.
10: And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports.
11: We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football
4: no no we don't
11: we don't no never no yeah not really. tennis no nope. rugby nope no just no, football just nfl football. football college college football. football every sunday morning 10 a.m to noon press box fantasy and reality football show Pressbox's Project
1: Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day, facebook.com slash Sports. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle
0: Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program
2: Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza.
0: All these things are options for 30 solid seconds and then we'll go right back to lamar jackson LenClarkRadio.com, pressboxonline.com slash radio and watch the show facebook.com slash pressbox sports
1: we are back on this saturday morning the 22nd of uh december and we urge you if you're watching on facebook live to please like the show and share the show and we know if he's able uh, to do that on his computer right now. Rick Vaughn will like it and share it if we ask him. Joining us now, an old friend who used to be the PR director of the Baltimore Orioles. He used to be the vice president of PR for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's now director of Joe Madden's uh, Charitable Foundation, Respect 90. He is an old friend, Rick Vaughn. Rick, how are you? Stanley, how are you doing? I'm good, and you know this guy next to me.
12: Kriger, how are you, buddy? I'm
1: good, and I don't know how you ever put up with the fact that he's calling you old, but okay.
12: <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> I didn't say he's
1: old. I said we're old friends. How are you, Ricky?
12: Well, I'm doing great, fellas. Doing great. A little chilly down here for us. It's... uh. It's probably right around sixty degrees. You know, you know,
3: we had we had Stetka on earlier, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, Stetka, Andrew Stetka, and he was, and I, and I said, you know, I said I had to blast your wife on online yesterday. She made three posts about how the weather in Arizona was over the last three days 76, 74, and seventy two. And then Andrew goes on this rant about how, yeah, but it's gotten into the forties for us down here at night. Yeah, Are, are you kidding?
12: Come on. Rick, no, you... it's all good. Everything is—it's uh, awesome. It's actually a beautiful day down here in, in the Tampa Bay area. So all is good.
1: How many years you've been down there now? Is it twenty-one? You know,
12: I—I um, I came down here in '96, uh, yep. and I worked with the Rays through 2016. So, um, and we've lived in this house longer than any my wife and I than any uh, house we've we've had. So I guess this is home. I—I I really, you know, I miss so much about Baltimore. I miss the Eastern Shore. I miss Camden Yards and. I miss a lot of my friends up there, but this is a good place. This is not a bad place to raise a family. No,
1: it's been a great place. Uh, Before we get into the prime topics of uh, my conversation with you or what I wanted to talk to you about, which was Joe Madden's former bench coach, Brandon Hyde, and the work you do with Respect90, I did just want to ask you, as a longtime Tampa Bay resident, I know that this stadium deal, the window, has now passed on the Ybor City uh, notion for now. Do you think three to four or five years from now we're going to be talking about a new stadium in Tampa, or is it really Tampa St. Pete, or has it really moved into uh, the the nether world, Rick?
12: You know, I think it's a complicated issue, Stan. I mean, it's, um, you know, as of this moment, you know, it doesn't look very good. You know, um, they... Uh, got permission three years ago. Uh, the Rays did to get because their lease runs through 2027. They got permission back three years ago, where they had a three-year window where mm-hmm. they could look around in the Tampa Bay area only, and that window closes in about a week. And they've already sent a letter. The Rays did to St. Pete saying that uh, we're not going to, you know, we're we're not going to be looking outside of St. Uh, right. Pete anymore. It didn't work. You know, they had a, a big stadium press conference with a, a design, uh, a, a really modernistic-looking ballpark in Ybor City, which is a, a, a part of western, uh, eastern part of Tampa, and it everybody was all excited, and as we all know, financing is everything, and the financing just wasn't there. You know, the, Look, I've been here 20 years, and I don't like this. I love the area. I love living here. I hope the team stays here, but there's not a lot of corporate Uh, support here you know there you've got a hockey team which uh, their owner is just maybe one of the best owners in sports Uh, so um, you know he's so charitable he's so connected with the community they do a terrific job the Buccaneers are the NFL team and the NFL team isn't going anywhere so there's three teams vying for corporate money which there's not a lot of there's just not a lot of corporations in the Tampa Bay area and I, I don't I just don't know if there's enough money to get that done and you know the Rays have said pretty much they're not going to pay for much of this ballpark and um I just don't know if the, the math adds up maybe they can find someone to step up uh, you know and, and pull something out but uh it looks like if it's going to happen it's going to it's going to be in St. Petersburg and uh you know then you start thinking okay it's 20 we're getting into 2019 uh, I assume they have to do a lot of planning before they would even start building the ballpark if they got the financing and if the lease is out in 2027. You know, you, now you're talking probably about 2024 for a new park, and I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, you know, to, to try to, to pull together when it, you know, the track record here of attendance, you know, I, yeah. I know it as well as anybody it hasn't been good. We all know it. It's We've been late or uh, last in attendance or next to last in attendance for almost every year we've been here. So, I don't. I, it doesn't really look all that great right now, yeah. um, but we'll see. You know, I, I think something's got to going to have to happen. Now it's starting to get desperate. Now, you know, and and you know how those things are. They have to get desperate. They have to get ugly before they get solved. So and I, I think, think we're I think kind the, of in that stage now. I
1: think the owner there, Scott Stern, is it Scott Sternberg?
12: Ah, uh, Stu Stu, Stu Sternberg. Sternberg.
1: I think he's been pretty refrained and handled this in a fairly classy manner. That he just has—I mean, he's got that lease hanging over him, but he hasn't right. really been bitching and moaning publicly. He's handled it, I think, pretty above board.
12: Yeah, I mean, they haven't made any threats. You know, they're not saying, "Hey, if this doesn't happen, uh, we're out of here." But um, but it's it, lately, it's sort of been implied by by Stu, and uh, you know, it's—they uh, have their own way of running things. They they are, uh the local columnist here, John Romano, wrote a column this week basically saying that they, you know, they are businessmen, and that's it. You know, it's not about, they're really, he said they're as sentimental as the IRS, and they, and in <laughs> many ways, I can attest to that, <laughs> but uh they are, they're businessmen, and if they don't get the deal that's going to work for them, you know, it, it's just it's not going to happen, so no one really knows what, what is, what the future of baseball in Tampa Bay is now. It's, um, you know, everybody points to Miami and and uh, and said, "Hey, you know, they're going to get we could build a new ballpark there, and our troubles are over." Well, that didn't happen, and you know that was not a good deal for the citizens of Miami. And so, there's a lot of people here that that don't want to see that repeated again in the state. Um, I mean, I I don't know the answer. You know, I mean, I, I I got to work for some pretty exciting teams down here in 20 years. You know, we went to the playoffs four times and. And 2008 was very magical, and and really, uh, you know, the attendance we sold out for the postseason games, but uh, the attendance wasn't like off the charts for those for those seasons. And we had some really good young teams. So, um, in the answer to your question, I think Stu's handled it pretty well. I think that might start to come to an end, though, here as as everybody gets a little frustrated.
3: Well, let me ask you this: Why do you think that has been the case down there? Like you said, you sold out for the postseason games, but overall it's just not been an area where fans do come out to the games in large numbers. And I was wondering, is, is it just the fact that it's the trop or is it just the area or the people living there and that there's not that much excitement for baseball?
12: Well, I think it's a combination of a bunch of different things. You know, it is an older, you know it's an older demographic down here. There's no question about that. Um, you know and 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 uh, they're not folks you know they don't wanna drive at night or they just don't wanna you know the the, the TV coverage has gotten so good in all the markets now that it's so much more comfortable for them to watch a game. So it's an older group. Um, I think the fact, as I said before, there's not a lot of corporate money down here and and um, the formula, you know, as a very general rule, is that these teams sell uh, their season ticket base is basically, comprised of two-thirds corporate uh, partners and one-third the general public. And here in Tampa Bay, and Stu has said this before, it's flipped. You know, Mm -hmm. most of our, you know, we have to, I always tell people, we sort of have to sell our tickets one at a time. We don't have a lot of corporations that own 100 season tickets and things like that. So I think that plays into it. And I think the the other big thing is that uh, there's a lot to do down here. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's a, great place to live there's you know we're near the water on both sides here and there's always things going on uh really really good stuff and so there's a lot of competition for it i think you also and the bucks see this in the nfl and the bucks you know i don't i don't say it's just baseball that has trouble drawing unless you win i mean the hockey team sells out they've been very good they're committed they do a terrific job i can't say enough good things about jeff vinnick their owner um but the Buccaneers have a hard time drawing people uh, and because they haven't been to the playoffs since they went to the I don't think they've won a playoff game since wow. they went to the Super Bowl, which was 15 years ago. Yeah. So they're, they've, they've struggled. And they even did a thing this year where they gave season ticket holders free tickets. So they've been struggling at, at the gate as well. I think you have to win here. There's no question about that. And sometimes that isn't even enough. But there's a lot of competition for the money. And then the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, everybody's from somewhere else. You know, there's very few people that you run into, um, you know, that are from here. I mean, right after we moved here, we went to a party in the neighborhood, and we were meeting everybody, and I told Sue, my wife, I said, "This, I feel like we're a military, we're like a military base. Nobody's from here. You know, this must be, it's like all military, it felt like we were with, like people from the military. It's like, yeah. no, nobody's from here. No, where are you from? And so you have these allegiances to other teams, and um you know, the, the hockey team deals with it sometimes because the Red Wings draw. The Red Wings take over the arena when, the, when they play here. You know, their fans and the Blackhawks uh, fans are yeah. strong here. The Bears fans, the Packer fans are really strong down here. So it's not like and, – and, and then finally, at least with the baseball team, there's no – you know, there's not generation after generation of Rays fans. You know, I mean, it's really – we've been here playing for 20 years. So that's – you know you, – you're just now starting to get people that have discretionary income to come to the games that grew up with the team. So that, I think all of those things add up, and it, and it, makes, it uh, makes it pretty challenging.
1: Rick, let me shift gears for a second. You and I talked to set up this interview. You don't know Brandon Hyde all that well, but you probably do know how your friend Joe Madden thinks about him.
12: Yeah, I, I got to meet Brandon just because of our work with the foundation. You know, I'm up in Chicago like twice a month, and I'm at some of the home games setting up different things. And I met Brandon, uh, you know, a couple times, and was really impressed with him right from the very beginning. You know, Joe, he was with Joe. Obviously, they were together for four years, just the last year as um, bench coach, the bench coach. But, uh, you know, Joe had a really good, in one year, uh, Joe had a very good rapport with him, very comfortable with him, just in just working together. One year, I thought that was a, a pretty telling thing. He's, you know, Joe tells me he's really very organized. He's run spring training camps before, uh, very sharp, very very good organized guy. Um, he he also said that he can, he always says, and this is an important thing, uh, really important is that he can have tough conversations with players. You know, there's sometimes you've got to have those difficult conversations, and he thinks that your new skipper can do that really well. He has a great – connects well with young players and older guys. Uh, So you can tell he's a good communicator, and I think nowadays the role of the manager, that's got to be the top thing at the very top of the – you know, with all the analytics and all the guidance you get from the front offices these days – the most important thing I think for a manager are those those skills that I just mentioned so sounds like he's going to be a great fit there and I'm happy because it makes me sad to see the Orioles you know struggle the way they have I you know it's funny I've worked in baseball for 30 years and I had to give a little speech the other day to the Tampa Sports Club so I sat down and started thinking of my best memories and I spent 10 years in Baltimore and 20 years with the Rays and I had more Great memories of the <laughs> Orioles than I did in 20 years with the Rays, which it just happened that way. You know, and, I just started how many of those down. Inv- I'm like, how many of those you know.
1: great memories involved uh, Craig Heist?
12: <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> one of them. You know,
3: I got to tell you, you know, I'm thinking about this stadium issue down there. The the more and more we talk it ain't about happening. it, and I know it's not happening, but I, you know, the Ibor City thing to me, having been down there watching the Ravens beat the Giants in the Super Bowl. I spent a week there one night, Rick.
12: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Ebor, uh, you can do that there. That's it's our it's like our little mini uh, Bourbon Street. You know, and it can get a little get a little crazy down there. And, you know, and there's you know, Tampa Bay is really made up of a bunch of smaller communities, you know. I mean, it's Tampa Bay is Tampa, it's St. Pete, it's Clearwater, it's Bradenton, it's Dunedin, you know, it's all of these little areas and when i came down here somebody said to me you know one thing about going down to tampa bay is there's no there there you know there's no you know there's no place to go uh where everybody would automatically go if you want you know everybody's definitely going downtown to the harbor or whatever it is in baltimore you know these days but and it's true there really isn't a central focal point um in this city and it's still that way for 20 years you know it's there's some areas that are kind of popping up. There's you know uh, South Tampa's becoming a really hip place, and that's where a lot of people go now. And there's actually Joe. Uh, Joe has his restaurant down there, and I think we're going to dinner there tonight, as a matter of fact. But <laughs> uh, but there's no real real place where everybody would just run to to celebrate if the Bucks, you know, was to win were to win, or the Lightning was to win. I guess maybe they would go to their arenas downtown, but there really isn't a, a there here you know I got gotcha. you
1: Rick we appreciate you being on I got to put you on hold for one second because I got to get something from you my uh, producer's going to ask you for something okay yeah you bet I'll talk to you soon Rick Vaughn there he goes Rick Vaughn
3: and uh, the Saturday night before the Super Bowl yeah I'm in Imore City yep standing outside a bar right I, I finagle my way into this bar where I don't have to stand in line and I watch the entire second half of the Maryland-Duke game.
1: The basketball game, yeah. The
3: where, where Maryland blows the 10-point lead yep. with about...
1: Two minutes. Well, well, no, 50 actually seconds.
3: F- 58 seconds to go. Worst One of the worst nights, and I've had many
1: yep. in my life. I was in the bar, uh, the main bar of the hotel we were staying mm-hmm. at, which I can't remember. All right. I've hated Jay Williams ever since. All right. Uh, that does take care of four of our guests, Andrew Stetka, Mike Shallon, Mark Zuckerman, and Rick Vaughn. And uh, we're going to make our connection with Rob Nelson in just a moment. Okay. All right. Yeah. As soon as uh, Brittany gets off the phone with Rick Vaughn.
3: Well, she's, she's, she's probably t- asking
1: t- him for a job. She's taking care of business. And yes.
3: if she was the bright Towson student that we, we know, know she, she is, is, is yeah. she would be doing that, asking uh, Rick if there's anything available I, in the... I told Joe Madden
1: Foundation. I told Rick that I would send him an article that Andy Dolich wrote, who's uh-huh. been a regular right. on our show, about the stadium story out in Oakland. His his piece is really very compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Mercury News he wrote it for. San Jose uh, Mercury San News. San Jose yeah. Mercury News. Uh, he ends it by saying, there's an old Johnny Mathis song called The Twelfth of Never. Never. That's about <laughs> when they're going to build that stadium out there. And it... Basically laid out the checklist mm-hmm. for everything you need to say. Okay, you got state financing. You know who's going to pay for this? You got who's going to do the infrastructure? None of the check marks are none, done. None, in none of the boxes are checked. None of the boxes are checked. Yeah. All right, joining us now is a, not an old friend, uh, but a good friend. I've known uh, this gentleman for about four years now. He's the founder of uh, Big League Chew. And uh-huh. he joins us right now from his home out in Oregon, and that is Rob Nelson. Rob, how are you?
3: Well, thanks. Glad to be here. Well, that means that means you got up real
1: early to be on our show. He's out in <laughs> Oregon. Yes, he did. <laughs> what time do you get up every day, Rob? Probably about 6 a.m. I have a bunch of
9: crazy tennis buddies that we play early with. Good That's job. So, so
1: you're still playing tennis. How's um, your, How's your game right now?
9: Uh, Fair to middling.
1: Okay. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate getting the surprise gift of a couple boxes of Big League Chew. I'm going to put it to good use. For those of our listeners or folks on Facebook Live that don't know the story, can you briefly tell us how you started Big League Chew and who helped you financially back in the day? Summer of 1977?
9: Uh, I was with the independent Portland Maverick baseball team, uh, Bing Russell's uh, band of brothers. And uh, I didn't get to pitch much. I was in the bullpen a lot, just observing And sitting next to Jim Bouton, the former Yankee author of Ball Four, we were observing our teammates who were chewing and spitting uh, the other stuff. And Jim turned to me and said, did you ever chew? And I said, I tried it once for probably 30 seconds. It never made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And Jim said, funny thing, me too. And it was maybe an inning later, I said, I've had an idea for some time now, and that was to shred gum and uh, put it in a pouch so we could look as cool as these guys, but we wouldn't make ourselves ill. (laughs) And Jim's eyes got as big as baseballs. He said, Rob, I love that idea. I, I could sell that idea. And, you know, maybe two pitches later, he said, what would you call it? And just out of the thin air, I said, I don't know, big league chew? And God, then it was born, Jim amazing. put up ten grand. we became partners on a handshake took him about a year and a half to find the company, but he did the job without without Jim pounding the pavement. there would be no big link shoe story, but we were partners for a very long time. We got lucky with a small division uh it's now made in western New York uh outside of Buffalo by Ford Gum, and we're coming up on forty years of uh what my dad called lightning in a pouch.
3: Well, it's lightning in a pouch, and I'll tell you what else it is. And Stan and I were talking about this before the show, when I found out when I found out you were going to be on. And that's the fact that with everything we found out about smokeless tobacco, and and guys who have spent years and years, uh, you know, chewing and things of that nature, and the ramifications, and, and the ramifications that come with it. What a great idea this was.
9: out recently I saw some numbers that. In 1986, 55 million pounds of uh, uh, chewing tobacco in a pouch were uh, consumed in America. Wow. And last year it was down to 18. Uh, that's So by that's progress. two-thirds it's been dropped.
3: That's wild. Wow, I wow. just
9: think we had something to do with that. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that, obviously.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's any question you had something to do with that. And, and I doubt, it's interesting, you guys did it more from a taste perspective, like or the fact you could get sick. Literally, the moment you chewed, if you swallowed something, you guys did it from more of an innocent uh, perspective that just, hey, this will taste better, and it, you can't well, get sick from it. It will look as cool. And you'll look as cool, <laughs> yeah. It's a great it's a great American marketing story. We're talking to Rob Nelson, one of the owners and founders of Big League Chew. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on once you sent me those, those boxes of gum was, uh, I was thinking about the holidays. I know you played some winter ball, uh, I guess not in Latin America where I fought, but do you remember any stories being away from home, celebrating the holidays away from home, playing baseball?
9: You know, I, uh, uh, I pitched briefly and ineffectively, as my brother Harry says, for three years <laughs> with the Mavericks. But, but uh, you know, one win in three seasons as a single-A minor league player, But the bulk of my baseball life was overseas. I played in Australia. I played in England. I played in South Africa. And uh, particularly in Australia and in South Africa, of course, it is winter baseball. And my my two biggest memories are for Thanksgiving, uh, my wife and I threw a huge Thanksgiving party in Cape Town, and my teammates had never experienced Thanksgiving before. Wow. And it, it was quite fantastic that... Sarah and the wife of the skipper on the team uh, went shopping to all these little uh, tiny, kind of, I don't know, boutique businesses. But we had a legitimate Thanksgiving on a Thursday night in November. And for most of the ballplayers, it was just Thursday night. They said, no, go over to Brian's house, Brian Lombard, our manager. Right. And we just had an absolute fabulous Thanksgiving dinner. And one of my teammates, it was just great, Kevin Johnson said that, this may be the greatest thing America's ever exported to the world. Uh, and I said, "Yeah, what's what's not to be grateful for?" And yeah. uh, That was a great memory. That was that was really cool.
1: How about Christmas itself or New Year's? Were you did you spend those overseas sometimes? I pitched. I pitched in the tournament, and they said, "Rob, you're going to be pitching on Boxing
9: Day." And and you know I was 24 years old, and I said, "I'm sorry, I don't know what Boxing Day is." Well, in the British Commonwealth historically the the servants got served got served got given they were given their christmas presents boxes of presents the day after christmas because you know christmas day was a work day for them so it was kind of a big deal in cape town uh, the the annual boxing day tournament and it was wonderful to be pitching on december 26th and it was 88 degrees and uh, i was living the dream
3: <laughs> it's quite amazing Rob, what kind of a response do you get? Like you said, it's been 40 years, but what kind of a response do you get from people about your product and and what it's like today for the people that use that product?
1: And is there a breakdown? Is it more kids or do, do you know, older teenagers and young adults chew it just as well as kids? Out there, you know,
9: since 1980, uh, 2020 will be the actual 40th anniversary. Okay. Uh, uh, it, it's I suppose the, the best anecdote is on Halloween in, in northeast Portland on 18th Avenue. I've got 200, this past year, 300 pouches of Big League Chew that we give out at the front door. And a third of them go to the parents. Because kids will run down from the, from our, our front step and say, Dad, I got some Big League Chew. Or Mom, look at this. And the parents will kind of look glumly and say, hey, it's, not, it's for kids of all ages. And I'll toss them a pouch of Big League, too. And they're as happy as their kids are. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's pretty cool. Uh, I still do a baseball camp on Long Island. Uh, it's my 34th summer coming up doing that. And I have kids whose uncles, I haven't had one kid whose parents have played in the camp, but I have had a lot of kids just say, my uncle played in this camp in 1986. And that's really fun because it's yeah, Coach Rob is the bubblegum guy. And so it transcends ages by now, which is which is really a fun thing. The demographic says it's mostly kids 13 and under. But my experience when I'm out to a restaurant or having a beer with some friends, everybody, it seems, has a big league shoe story. And it really makes me smile to know that, that it made a lot of people happy. That uh, You know, Cal Ripken had sent me a nice note on the 25th anniversary, hard to believe, almost 15 years ago. God. He just said, you know, what you did was you brought – you brought fun
1: to the ballpark, yeah, and, and that's kind of how I look at it. Do you still affiliated with the Ironbirds? Do you do some stuff with them, birds? But I do a little bit of stuff with
9: with Cal. We uh, we're doing most of our stuff with the Baseball Hall of Fame now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. With with the 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 Hall of Fame bubblegum and working with Jeff Idelson and his team up in Cooperstown uh, has been a delight. So I get to see Cal. Uh, you know, through through that means, and and Billy, I get when I'm back in New York, I, I usually sneak over to Secaucus and have dinner with Bill near the uh, MLB Network. But those guys
1: are fantastic.
9: They're, they're probably two of my biggest fans for big league too.
1: Hey, I want to take you back to Jim Bowden. Uh You you pitched briefly with him. You became a business partner with him. Um, his career was really uh, not his baseball career. His post playing career as a writer and an actor was just ready to take off when you met him, wasn't it?
9: Fountain? I had met him when I got out of Cornell. Nobody drafted me. I really wanted to keep playing baseball. Mm -hmm. I only had one good year in college, and lucky for me it was my senior year. And uh, I had written to Jim. He was doing ABC Sports. uh, That's right. Nighttime news. Nighttime news. They probably gave him five or six minutes to talk sports. Uh, and, and I wrote to him and I said, I'm working on a knuckleball and I'm throwing in the gym four nights a week and I just can't get it to work. And he sent me a postcard back and, and he said, uh, w- when you, when you're back, you know, down this way, uh, give me a call and, and we'll, we'll work out. And we did, I met him in Teaneck, New Jersey. He was pitching for, I think the Teaneck merchants or something, you know, he was, uh, almost 40 years old and he, he took a half hour of his time. This guy just off the street. As it turned out, his brother was a left-handed quarterback for the Cornell lightweight football team. So there was a connection there. But he just loved guys who loved baseball. And then it was two years later when he came to Portland to pitch for the Mavericks because he, too, was trying to get back into uh, organized baseball as opposed to the Mavericks, which was disorganized baseball. Uh, He was just a really good guy. He never big-leagued us as a Maverick. Uh, He said it was one of the most exclusive baseball fraternities he'd ever belonged to, uh, even more so than the Yankees because the Mavs only existed, you know, for five years. Jim Bouton's an absolute first-class guy. He's going to be 80 years old in March, and I love him like a brother. Just a really good guy.
1: Is he still in good health and got all his faculties with him? Because he was a sharp, sharp guy. He's not...
9: He does not have all his faculties. Yeah. He, he suffered a stroke a couple of years ago, uh, but he is the bulldog. You know, when I go to visit him, and uh, he's in Massachusetts, so it's a bit of a trek for me, But uh, and I'll be going up in two weeks' time, it, it's difficult. He remembers stuff specifically, and his wife Paula says, it's amazing when you guys come here how it comes back to him. But it's, it's on again, off again kind of thing. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's difficult. To, to, to visit with somebody who was so sharp, yeah, who has uh, you know less than his A game now, I suppose is the politest way I could say it, and it's uh, uh, it, it's a struggle for Jim, but you know he's up to the task. He's he's, he's where's he li- is
1: he in New England now? Massachusetts near Great yeah, Barrington. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah,
3: Craig. No, I was just going to say you're talking to two guys that never have their A game, so. <laughs>
1: That's pretty funny. I got Rob going. Hey, we appreciate your stopping on the show. Um, If there's one thing, I know you love baseball because you played a long time, you've been around it a long time. If there's one thing you were named commissioner for a day, what would you change about baseball?
9: About baseball, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, I suppose I I, I would hope for them to find – Quite honestly, the most important thing is uh, the strike zone. And I really think that technology is almost there, that just as airline pilots accepted the fact that autopilot was a good thing, yep. Uh, I think that the technology for the strike zone would speed up the game and it would make the game more fun to watch. And quite frankly, as a pitcher, if I knew the strike zone was the strike zone and it wasn't dependent upon who was behind the plate the game would be better. It would be better for the hitters, and it would be better for the pitchers. And Rob, most importantly, it would be better for the fans.
1: Rob, you might have pitched longer. <laughs> you might have pitched longer. <laughs> no, he probably would have no, been out sooner. He <laughs> probably would have been out sooner. You know, Rob, that is my number one change that I would make in the game of baseball. I think the technology is there. I think the lack of a predictable strike zone for young pitchers is just terrible. And when we know how much stress... Is on a pitcher's arm and the value of those pitchers' arms, to have to make them throw 18 or 20 more pitches in an inning because an umpire missed a strike, you know, 15 pitches before, I think it's terrible. I think it really would speed the game up. I think in this world, if
9: you had two options and one was going to be 99.9% correct right. and the other one was going to be 899 I think you'd always go with the one that gave you the better outcome. I, and, and I think that's the, the the cleanest way to look at it. I look at how technology has improved professional tennis and how quickly they get decisions made. Yep. I think baseball could do the same
1: thing. You're the best. Rob, thanks a million. Have a great, healthy holiday season and a happy new year. Happy Chew Year, as we say in the business. Ha- happy Chew Year. <laughs> or in my business, we say happy Jew Year. <clears throat> that's right. All right. Rob, <laughs> thanks, buddy. Thanks so much. See you guys. Uh, Bye now. Hey, we got to get a word in about the Costas Inn.
3: That's we, right. We and uh, Hey,
1: Monday night is crab cake night. Right,
3: and you can go Are out. they
1: open this Monday night, by the way? Monday night, Christmas that's Eve. Christmas. Of course they're open.
3: Okay, so. The crab- only The only days they are closed during the year. Christmas. Christmas,
1: New Year's, and Thanksgiving. Okay. So you yeah, got Monday night is crab cake night, right. Tuesday night is rib night. Right. But they won't have it this week because it's Because it's, cri- Christ- Christmas. it's Christmas, right? Wednesday, the day after Christmas, will be steak night. Thursday night is You'll lobster be there for night. that, I'm sure. I might be. Okay. Thursday night is lobster night, and Friday night is Pete's specials.
3: Right. Pete whatever Pete decides it goes on. But every night of the week, uh other than the actual specials of the day. You'll find specials on that menu. Great crab soup, cream of crab, or Maryland crab. Holidays are here. Make sure you can get an order in to ship your crab cakes and also your crabs, steam crabs, to anywhere in the country. And also, don't forget gift certificates. They make a wonderful Christmas gift.
1: And you can call up, still get one in time for right. uh, Christmas. You can right. call 410. 410- They'll probably take your credit card over the phone and get you a gift card.
3: Right, and the Rat Pack will be playing there. Rick Oliger and the boys on New Year's Eve to ring in the New Year.
1: All right. We'll be back with a final word or two on today's show and to wrap it up.
2: Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team. Respect is earned daily, and now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus, or USA Army, paid for by the U.S. Army. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary
0: crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit
7: thegreenturtle.com to find your local Turtle. PressBox's annual Best of Baltimore Sports double issue is now available. Presented by Maryland Sports Commission. This issue recognizes UMBC Basketball's Ryan Odom and Jairus Lyles as our local sportspersons of the year. Plus 60 more are in the spotlight as we look at the top people, performances, and moments of the year. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild
0: Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings White Marsh Owings Mills and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time see restaurant for details
5: Matt we normally come on here and tell everyone go listen to section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336
6: instead of us telling you why we're awesome let's have other people tell you why we're awesome this person says definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around. Look forward to listening every week. These guys are coconuts, and if that's not enough reason to listen, they are a great listen if you want Orioles talk, even during the off season. If you're lucky, they might even talk about the Ravens. Josh, Matt, and Burt are a must-listen every week. Check Section 336
11: out for yourself on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? It's KZ. This season, you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at Loop League. Click the link pinned at the top of my Twitter page. That's at fans fantasy and pick any five games against the spread every week it's free to sign up and someone wins a 25 dollar royal farms gift card every single week plus we'll have great season-long prizes as well and check out all the other awesome games at loop league where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time join our picks league now at LukeLeague.com.
0: Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cater your holiday party at home, at the office, or as that contribution you make to your friend's party. Take the nugget platter. I guarantee your friends will eat every bite. Enough with the meatballs and a crock pot. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cook it, pack it, and if you'd like, deliver it. Sandwiches, sliders, waffle fries, desserts, even breakfast. Have you tried the Chick-fil-A Chicken Minis? Delicious. You have enough to do. Don't add more cooking. For not only will your catering platter be sensational, but your home will smell amazing and you won't be exhausted by the time your party starts order online or through your chick-fil-a app if you need help ask steve at chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard he's been there for 150 years he knows how to do everything chick-fil-a nottingham square for
1: the holidays you're welcome and we're back on the show to wrap things up again our great thanks to andrew stetka of masson and utah street report Mike Shallon, New Hampshire Union leader, also the author of uh, The Author, The Words. He wrote The Words. Steve Babineau took the pictures to the hometown team. Uh, I think more than 500 photographs of Fenway Park and the action there of the hometown team. You can get it on Amazon or by buying it through Amazon. Mark Zuckerman of Massinsports.com joined us. Rick Vaughn of Respect90 joined us and also our friend Rob Nelson, who was terrific for Big League Chew, wish you and uh, Suzanne and the rest of your family a happy holiday. Same to you, and uh, same to Miss Brittany Ever. Be her safe. Family. That's the Thank biggest you. thing. Yep, we want to see you in 2019. Yep, and we want you to stop by the Costas Inn. Real big bats. And right. We also want you to like and
3: share this broadcast every week. Very quickly, the Georgetown Hoyas in action at Capital One Arena. Getting ready to tip off right against now two. against Little Rock. Okay, but the big story is not necessarily anything with the basketball team today, other than the fact that Rich Shavotkin, their play by play man, is calling his 1400th game. A long, long career and just a great human being with a great family.
1: That's great. That's great. Thank you for pointing that out. That's a great story. Great holiday season to you, my friend. Yep, same to you. Uh, And we'll talk to you and hopefully see you all next week uh, right before New Year's, all right? And then we'll be back back to fighting like we normally do after the New Year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. That wraps us up for this week. Have a great week ahead and stay safe out there.